Welcome to Biblical Genetics, episode four. I'm very proud to share this with you. I worked really hard on this one. The uh, filming was miserable. It was super hot, and yet I had a thick uh, flannel shirt on. It was super noisy where I was at Red Rocks Amphitheater in uh, Morrison, Colorado, just west of Denver. I had driven around for hour, uh, at least an hour, maybe an hour and a half, looking for a place to film. But there's so many people there. I just couldn't get alone. And since I'm still new at this, I was really being bashful and shy about standing out in public with a video camera and talking. I wasn't able to do it at this early stage, and I kept on balking and hesitating. So I finally found a place. Very few people. You'll notice in the background are some porta potties, and I was trying not to show them, but they did appear a couple of times. And I, um, I got interrupted. I got interrupted by a helicopter and then another helicopter and a tour bus and um, a point where they were setting up for a concert and they turned on the speakers. <laughs> it was so loud. I wasn't anywhere close to the actual the concert floor, but the echoing amongst the rocks and the reverberation just totally threw me off my game. I finally recovered from that. I did finish the episode. I filmed it completely twice and you'll you won't notice it if you're just listening here, but in the, um, the video, I can tell that I had take one and take two that I, I blended together in some of the edits. But this has been a really, a really fun, uh, just a joyful exercise in learning technology. Actually, it's not really very joyful. It's been quite painful. I've had to learn so many different things, but I finally, finally, finally got it all together. Now I'm recording this before I get any feedback from my first three episodes because I want to make sure this was upbeat and positive. I'm expecting there's gonna be some haters out there and you know, it's just, it's just hard to deal with detractors sometimes. And I know, I, I know what, what comments I'm expecting. It's just gonna be ugly. But I'm here for you. I'm gonna be doing my best to share my heart with you, to share my understanding of the Bible as best I can to, to share with you my understanding of genetics and how these things fit together. But this particular episode is not going to be anything about Bible or anything about deep time or anything like that. I'm just going to bring up some fun anecdotes, fun and interesting things in genetics that help us to understand what we can know, what we can't know, how far we can go back in time, what relationships we can make between different people, I'm going to be discussing Thomas Jefferson and his uh, descendants through not his wife. I'm going to be talking about a group of people in Southern Africa called the Lemba, who claim to be Jewish, even though they are Bantu-speaking African tribe or tribes. And I'm going to be just throwing out some really cool, fun things like that because I love this stuff. I love the intersection of history and science. And this is right where it's at, where we can ask some really neat, fun questions. So, I give you Biblical Genetics, Episode 4, Nothing But Fun Anecdotes in History. Welcome to Biblical Genetics. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Carter. Call me Dr. C if you like. I'm here at uh, Red Rocks, just uh, west of uh, Denver. It's a fantastic amphitheater, really cool geology. I just like being outside and I like seeing interesting things and I've, I wanted my show to reflect some of my interests like that. In the last episode, I threw in some historical anecdotes that were kind of fun to th think about. I'm gonna do a couple more, just anecdotes, this whole show, just anecdotes, because they're fun. And they also teach us what we can know about genetics and what we can use genetics for as far as testing theories of history go. Uh, the first anecdote, Thomas Jefferson. 
one of my favorite presidents, but he wasn't a very moral man. While he was alive, it is rumored that he had fathered several children by his slave girl, Sally Hemings. In fact, to make matters even worse, it was rumored that he was living with her like a concubine. The descendants of Sally Hemings rightly wanted to know if they were the descendants of Thomas Jefferson. Now here's where it gets interesting. Because if that was just a generic Y chromosome that like millions of people had, like my Y chromosome, I share with like 80% of European males, is totally nondescriptive, then nothing would have happened. But the more rare Thomas Jefferson's Y chromosome was, if Sally Hemings' children also carried it, the more likely it is that Thomas Jefferson was the ancestor. And it turns out that TJ had a super rare Y chromosome that's basically only found in the Middle East. It's a very, very strange thing for him to be carrying. And so does Sally Hemings' descendants. Now, statistically, it's highly likely that he was the, the father, but you can't historically prove it because there are, were other Jefferson males, and it, you know, they could have been the fathers, but the thing is, Thomas was in the right place at the right time, and it's almost certain that he um, is the father of these children. Now, that brings up an interesting thing because what I just said was that Genetics is never perfect. There are statistics and likelihoods and arguments about weighting and things like that. W-E-I-G-H-T, weighting. It's not always something we can say absolutely 100%. And it's going to come up again and again and again as we dig into biblical genetics. All right, another um, example I want to bring up is a man named Genghis Khan, a Mongolian warlord. He led vast armies across Asia all the way into Europe. He left an amazing legacy behind him, but mainly a genetic legacy. You see, by raping and pillaging his way across the world, he is today the ancestor of about one out of every 200 people alive. Whoa. Uh, that's amazing. We are going to spend time in some future episode talking about the ethics of evolution, the ethics of natural selection, and the fact that it doesn't matter what you do, as long as you leave descendants in the next generation, you win. And that's essentially what Genghis Khan did on a grand scale. Now, we had a dramatic pause for a helicopter, and apparently they're uh, testing out the base system at the stadium back there. Man, I was loud and rumbly. Okay, another anecdote that I want to mention is a... Um, a study on the Y chromosomes of England. They were doing a survey of all the different Y chromosomes. And they came across one particular one that belonged in Africa. And they said, that doesn't make any sense. So they um, asked all the English men with that last name if they'd participate in a study. And a lot of them said, yeah. So they traced their families back, two main branches of the family, to a guy living in England in the 1700s who was not African. And that's a bit of a mystery because there are a lot of examples of European men fathering children with non-European women. But there are very few examples of European women fathering children with non-European men during the colonial era. Today it's not true anymore, but back then it was rare. So who is this African Y chromosome? Where did it come from? Well, people have speculated maybe it came from the Roman era. Because when the Romans conquered England, at one point they had an African legion manning the border of Hadrian's Wall, the border of Scotland, way up north. And at that point in Roman history, uh, Roman soldiers could have wives. Not that that ever stopped them from fathering children in the, within the local populace, but they could actually be married and have wives while on station. There's another group of people I want to talk about. They are the, a subset of a subset of Jewish people. People with the last name of Khan and Cohen. 
These are the Kohanim, the people that for a long time Jewish people said these are the descendants of the sons of Aaron. And they're the priests, the priestly class. That's funny because that would make them the only Jewish group that's maintained any sense of ancestry throughout all these years. And the thing is, their, their tribes, their, their families have been split for more than 2,000 years, 2,500-ish years. So we have Kohanim that lived in Babylon. We have some in the, in the Sephardic Jews, some amongst the Ashkenazi Jews, the Jews of North Africa. How can this family have been remained cohesive? How can anyone re retain any sense of ancestry after that much time? Because think about it. People do lie. There are some times where children are born to someone who's not the father of the family. And um, there's just, you know, and there's adoptions. So after this much time, who would ever think, well, they wanted to know. So someone did a study of the Kohanim. It turns out that something like 70% of them are from the same Y chromosome group. Wow, very strong indication that they actually are one family. But this Kohen Y chromosome is also found in non-Jewish people. Well, that shouldn't be surprising considering the number of examples we have of Jewish men marrying non-Jewish women. They're not even always marrying even. And we have all these examples of, of Jewish people spreading around the world. So that's not a surprise. But what is a surprise is the last group of people I want to talk about. There is a group of Africans living in southernmost Africa, thousands of miles south of the equator. And the equator is thousands of miles south of Israel. About as far as Israel as you can get and still be in Africa. Their cultural story is that a ship carrying Jewish sailors got shipwrecked in southernmost Africa a very long time ago. They couldn't get home, so they married some of the local girls. Well, lo and behold, they look at their mitochondrial DNA. That's a piece of DNA you only get from the female side, and they're Bantu. Okay, that part of the story, they're African. But when they looked at their Y chromosomes, turns out that a good chunk of the Lemba men carry Y chromosomes that are otherwise found in the Middle East. And even more crazy, some of them specifically the men who had more like priestly roles in the, in the tribe, some of those Y chromosomes are associated with men who have last name of Cohen and Khan. As if not only did a group of Jewish men get marooned in southernmost Africa, but a descendant of Aaron, the first high priest of Israel, was amongst them. Oh, there's so much fun things. There's so many more fun things. I'm going to leave you with just those few examples. We'll be bringing up more over time. But I just want to show you that we can really unpack stories of history and we can really test theories of history using genetics. And that's why this is so fun. And that's what we're going to get back to in many other episodes as we look at the Bible and look at what it says and look at science and look what it says and see if there's any way we can reconcile these things. Well, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. There'll be a lot more anecdotes like that, of fun tidbits of history uh, as we proceed, because we are going to do a, be doing a lot of exploring of biblical topics, genetic topics, and we're going to be looking at a lot of different things as we go through this fascinating field of biblical genetics. I hope you enjoyed this. Stay tuned for more. If you'd like to support us, click the link. Go to biblicalgenetics.com if you're listening online. Um, we're here for you. I'd love to hear your comments. Um, in fact, we're, gonna, we're working up a, um, an episode where we just answer questions. We're going to be doing those periodically. Those are going to be a lot of fun because I really want to hear from you. I really want to know what you're thinking, and that will help me craft what I'm saying to help you as best I can. Feel free to share this. I want this message to go around the world. I would love to get an international audience. Um, but until then, have a great time. Till I see you again. Love y'all. You're the best. I love you fans. You're fantastic. This is Dr. C signing off.